welcome to this edition of the KTH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week here in North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. I'm Dave Palmer, the executive director here at the station, regular host of this program. Diane is running the board. We appreciate her work. And uh, this uh, next 20, 25 minutes, we're going to talk about a topic that I've been just delighted to cover for many, many years now, and that is the local Magnificat Ministry to Catholic Women events that they have been doing. As long as I've been in Catholic Radio, these events have been going on, so it go, goes way back, at least 15 years here in North Texas. And I have on the line with me Mary Trevino, who is the Grapevine Texas Chapter Coordinator of Magnificat and also the Central Service Team Leadership Ministry Chair, and uh, she's going to be the Speaker at the next Magnificat Breakfast, which is one week from today. It's uh, Saturday, February 19th, next Saturday, 9 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., and uh, there's a lot that goes into these uh, events, including prayer and food and music and a talk, and so hopefully... Uh, women will be very interested in uh, getting some tickets and getting out there. So, Mary Trevino, uh, welcome. Thanks for being a guest on the program today. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I see that you have been involved in Magnificat's, gosh, more than two decades, going all the way back to 1999. Do you, do you remember what initially attracted you to the group back in 1999? Well, um, I was invited, actually, to go to the group. Um, if, if I can go back, in 1995, unknowingly, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and received the healing. Okay. So after that, I was searching for praise and worship, and I didn't know it existed in our Catholic faith. So I went to a Protestant <laughs> on Wednesdays and Saturdays. My husband and I would go for praise and worship. And then, uh, of course, we never left our faith where we, we would continue going to our Catholic church, but it was just the praise and the worship that I was seeking. And then in 1999, um, a friend of mine said, there's going to be, um, uh, there is a prayer group in Grapevine that does praise and worship. And I'm like, what? And they're like, there's a prayer group in Grapevine. So I went to that prayer group, group in Grapevine and at that time, Annette Baber was leading the prayer meetings, and they were charismatic, exactly what I was looking for. That's how I found Magnificat, a ministry to Catholic women, seeking praise and worship and just wanting to, to worship the Lord. Yeah. Well, wait, well, how far do you, do you know how far back Magnificat goes in general? Is it something that came out of the United States or internationally? What, what, what's the, the history of it or how long has it been going on even beyond just the, the Grapevine chapter? Okay. Magnificat, uh, started in New Orleans, um, in Metairie, uh, a group of five ladies who, after they would drop their children off at school, would get together and pray. And then they started seeing miracles happening by their prayers. And uh, they were daily communicants, and, um, and they were told um, to, they, they, they needed to share what was happening in their lives with other ladies. So the first Magnificat breakfast occurred on October the 7th, 1981. Oh, okay. And they had over 200 ladies that went to that breakfast. From there... It just spread, and um, they, uh, prior to that first breakfast, they came up with all the objectives of Magnificat. Um, the bishop there approved it. Um, they had a spiritual director. 
And then uh, a few years later, they took it to Rome to Pope John Paul II, and uh, he gave his uh, his seal, his blessing on Magnificat and Ministry to Catholic Women. Yeah, beautiful. So there's chapters all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 are there others in uh, North Texas that you know of? I always hear about the Grapevine one. You guys have been so good about keeping us informed of all your meetings. I, are, are there others in this area? We have another chapter that um, I helped come into being. I was also the formation um, regional uh, person for our area, and um, that chapter is in Fort Worth, and it's Spanish. Oh, okay. So that's uh, completely, they call it an Espanol Magnificat. <laughs> and it, that has really caught fire, and the ladies were so hungry for it. They, their breakfast, I mean, they're bursting at the seams. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, God's been really good. We have another chapter in San Angelo, and I went and shared my testimony with them um, in November. So the one in San Angelo is a little newer, maybe uh, I think it's like three years um, into being prior year right before COVID. Hmm. <laughs> but um, bad timing. Yeah, so that there is a chapter there. Yeah. You you mentioned uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 1995, four years before you officially got involved in Magnificat here locally. And you, you mentioned the, the attraction of the, the charismatic element of it. For those who are not familiar with that terminology, baptism of the Holy Spirit and, you know, charismatic, uh, you know, uh, kind of charism, I guess you could say, of the, of, of, of Catholic Christians. Can you explain what that is and how that plays a part of Magnificat? Okay. Um, the baptism of the Holy, Holy Spirit is, um, you know, um, it's experienced, um, the way that I experienced it was a priest um, was holding a mission in, in Grapevine. Um, I didn't, um, I wasn't familiar with the Grapevine Catholic Church, but later I discovered it was Grapevine. But uh, he was holding a mission, and then on the third day of his mission, he prayed over everyone there. And as he was laying his hand on everyone's head, not even touching the head, everybody was resting in the spirit. It was all completely new to me. And that was Father Fred Underwood, okay. who has uh, since, um, you know, passed in 2020, um, I believe, um, but got rest of so. But um, yeah, and he, I don't know that he even made it to me, but I felt the fire just coming, the heat, and I just went down. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as you're saying, is um, everyone receives that, but we have to stir it into, um, into, into being by being exposed to the charismatic renewal. Um, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is giving God permission to be fully active in our lives. Um, it releases uh, the sacraments that we have already received. It is opening to and becoming uh, docile to the Spirit and His guidance, and it's actually giving our unconditional yes to God and the Holy Spirit, um, and it's just allowing God to change us. I don't know. It, it's like before I functioned as a normal Catholic would. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a cradle Catholic, you know, going to church. I love the church. 
And I think that maybe my transformation started back in 81 um, with uh, Medjugorje, reading the messages and also reading the, the life of Father Pio, uh, St. Pio. I couldn't get through a page without crying. Mm. I think it took like a month to read his book <laughs> because I was just <laughs> crying. Uh, and I know that that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. The, the gift of tears is cleansing. And uh, so, so that started back in 81. Same thing with the Medjugorje messages. It's just, you know, a lot of tears and, and uh, crying. And I couldn't even explain why I was crying other than I felt such deep love for, the, for our Lord. Okay, so then, um, um, let's see, j- jumping to Grapevine. Um, and, and I will let you know that before uh, Grapevine, um, I know that when you walk into a Catholic house, you know, you see all these statues and pictures. Um, I, I didn't know that, but I loved our Catholic, uh, our lady, you know, and the sacred heart of Jesus. And my mm-hmm. husband would complain. He would say, our house uh, looks like a church. We ah. need to have our children's pictures. <laughs> Which we did have our children's pictures, but we didn't have enough. And, and so... Um, I, um, after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was hungering just to have more and more. And so I had my husband go and get prayed over with the ladies in Grapevine. He was prayed over. And the, the first day when we returned to our house, he walked in and he says, where is all our statues? How come we don't have pictures up? <laughs> so yeah. He was completely <laughs> transformed. <laughs> yes. And just became in love with her. With, with the Lord. And uh, I would say the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just giving you a hunger, a desire to learn more about the Catholic Church, a uh, desire to learn more about the saints. I couldn't get enough of the saints. I was constantly reading, uh, which um, I still do. I have books uh, all over my house. If I'm going to sit somewhere, I'm going to pick up a book and read. So um, um, that's I, I don't know. It's just a hunger, yeah, a hunger, yeah. and then operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit is actually, you know, believing that God is alive and He exists and He actually talks to us. You know, yeah, <laughs> He actually talks and communicates with us. It's not just a one-way prayer and not receiving anything, but communication through the Scriptures, through the Holy Inspirations. It's just the love. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, Mary Trevino is my guest, and she serves as the Grapevine Texas Chapter Coordinator of Magnificat, a ministry to Catholic women. And uh, she's also the Central Service Team Leadership Ministry Chair and has been involved for over two decades with Magnificat, as she has explained. She's going to be at the, the speaker next Saturday, February 19th, 9 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. And I, I didn't mention yet, it's going to be at St. Michael Catholic Church in Bedford, uh, 3713 East Harwood Road, Bedford 76021, which is really close to where I live. And you can get your tickets. They're $25 per person. Uh, you can write a check. I, I don't know, Mary, maybe you can explain how the, the different options of how people can, can get their tickets. And also if it is only for women this time, which I know oftentimes is the case. So well, what should people do if they want to go to this event? Okay, they can send um, a check to uh, 3300 DePaul Drive, Denton, Texas, 76201. 
or they can call Chris at 817-925-4542 or Donna. We have two ladies taking uh, calls. And if you pay by credit card, you do pay a dollar and a half more. But a lot of ladies find that so convenient, and that's basically what they do. So Donna's number is 214-8000. And then we do have um, um, uh, a lot of ladies out there uh, 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 with um, s- selling the, the tickets, making reservations for ladies. So if you know a Magnificat lady, and uh, she would be more than happy to take your money and your name, your information, and get on to us. All right. <clears throat> Very good. And again, it's uh, next Saturday, the 19th, and uh, you're going to be the speaker. And I, I noticed that in reading about the event, uh, you know, your, your topic, your talk is going to kind of be with some of the things that we've talked about today, but of course, in a much more expanded edition, more or less your story of baptism in the Holy Spirit and uh, really what the, the, the Holy Spirit has done in your life. Is that kind of a good description of what you'll be talking about, Mary? Yes, that's kind of a good description and how I came uh, to Magnificat. Um, I know the Holy Spirit led me to Magnificat. It is such a pleasure and a joy working with all these women that are like-minded. Um, I thought, um, you know, that I was like the only one uh, here with pictures and statues of our And when I met these ladies of Magnificat and I started going to their homes. I was overwhelmed with all the beauty of the shoes and the pictures and their love for Jesus. And it's just like a different world. So of course, um, my husband, uh, also receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is in love with the Lord. And so now our house is just like a church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everywhere we look, we just want to be reminded of our Holy Mother and Jesus because they're alive and they're with us. And it's just such a pleasure, um, you know, to be with them. Yeah. I always think, you know, what, what impact that has, especially people, you know, people come in and out of our houses all the time. And, uh, you know, when uh, my wife has been just wonderful about having a lot of holy images in our house, like what you're talking about. But, yeah. you know, when you live in yeah. there day out, day in, day out, you, you get kind of used to it. You don't always notice everything, but people come into the house to visit and you know they notice and you just never know what impact that's going to have on somebody to see so many beautiful images of our Lord and Our Lady uh, in our house, right? That's right. I remember um, my youngest daughter when she was in high school, and she would bring friends over. And uh, one day she said to me, Mom, my friends, when they come over, they get a little bit scared because they think the statues are all staring at them. (laughs) (laughs) And and they they feel like they could be alive. (laughs) I think they're feeling the presence of holiness. And yeah. When you're not used to it, it, could be, it can be a little bit scary. Right, right. <laughs> well, they, they do represent the people that are very much alive, right, in heaven. Uh, right. That's well, right. talk about the what else happens at an event. I mentioned the breakfast and the, the music and the, the talk and the prayer. What, what, how are these three and a half hours spent uh, next Saturday morning from 9 to, to 1230? We will start with a decade of the rosary just before 9 o'clock. And then we'll do that, the welcoming. We will share the breakfast. And then after the breakfast, we will have a more, uh, more of a, a formal introduction. And we will have a praise and worship. 
which our band is amazing. Um, we, we have, um, uh, some musicians, of course, that, you know, when Magnificat is coming, there's all kinds of trials that get in the way, all kinds of obstacles. So we do have a lot going on, um, with all the ladies that are involved with Magnificat and we just pray. And, um, you know, we, we get under the umbrella of our, our lady, our, our, um, charismatic renewal and we ask for prayers of course but um anyway our band is going through um a a little bit of difficulty but we'll be there they they're always there and uh they're beautiful and then after the praise and worship we will have the the testimony the talk and then after the talk we have uh uh prayer prayer teams that will be there available to pray over anyone that that needs it we have priest for confession and and we do have a bookstore uh little angels from capel will be there and we have our own magnificat uh bookstore as well and uh, we have a visitation table where all the material is free and it's just to keep everyone connected with what's going on in our church and just information to build their holiness. Yeah. I'm just thinking of the lady that's listening right now and maybe is where you were 20 years ago and saying, wow, I didn't know anything like this existed and uh, comes to the first meeting and, you know, is blown away. And, uh, you know, I, I just thought it's, it's, it's awesome to think that, you know, some people have no idea that, that this such a group even exists, much less in the Catholic world. Uh, Mary Trevino is my guest and we're down to our last few minutes here. If you want to go to this event, it's for a women and it is going to be next saturday february 19th at st michael's catholic church in bedford uh 9 a.m to 12 30 p.m arrive early uh no reserve seating and you can call chris 817-925-4542 or donna at 214-794-8000 or you can send a 25 dollar check to magnificat grapevine texas chapter to Mary at 3300 DePaul Drive, D-E-P-A-U-L Drive, Denton, 76201. So those are the different ways that you can um, you can uh, uh, get your tickets uh, for next Saturday. Mary, I'm just curious about, you know, you're, you're very busy with Magnificat, not only the chapter coordinator in Grapevine, but also the central service team leadership. Uh, can you explain a little bit about what that entails as far as your, your role is with Magnificat? I guess on the on the national basis is that what that is? Yes, it's on the national basis. So we have the central service team, who is the highest governing body of Magnificat, and um, I am a central service team ministry chair. We have five ministry chairs, um, and we just added another one, so we have six. So we have finance, formation, leadership, communication, regional rep, and music, and then. Um, let's say our world is divided into 10 regions because Magnificat is worldwide, having chapters all over the world. So each region has a leadership person, uh, regional person. So I have 10 regional ladies that are under me and, um, and this is for leadership. So we help the chapters within the regions. We help them and give them ideas on how to complete their chapters because sometimes we don't have a full chapter. Ladies get ill and they fall away. Um, and, uh, so we teach them how to, uh, um, how to build their chapters, 
how to how they're supposed to pray in the spirit and pray for the Lord to help them. We help them in all their needs. And the same thing with for, uh, formation. We help new chapters coming up. Finance, they help all the chapters in the world do all their filings and and be able to 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 help. But basically, I, I am just under uh, leadership, and um, it's it's um, it, it is very busy. Um, the central service team that are um, uh, like my liaison is the secretary of the central service team. I have mm. a liaison. Yeah. That uh, we meet monthly and we get our assignments. We discuss what we need to do, what we need to change, and then we just take it down to the leadership. The leadership takes it down to the to the chapter level. And very, get things done. Yeah, very good. Uh, well, well, thanks for all you're doing. And, you know, we've enjoyed, like I said at the beginning, such a wonderful relationship with Magnificat for, you know, at least the 15 years that we've been on the air here with Catholic Radio in North Texas. And so we, we are, appreciate you keeping us informed on what's going on. And again, we invite uh, all the ladies, if you have not gotten your tickets yet, uh, it's next Saturday, the 19th, 9 a.m. to 1230 p.m. in Bedford at St. Michael's Catholic Church. And uh, I'll give you two phone numbers again to call if you want to get tickets. Uh, Chris at 817-925-4542 or Donna 214-794-8000. But uh, do so quickly because uh, the event is uh, just about well less than a, a week away. It's next Saturday morning. Uh, Mary, thanks uh, for being a guest on the program. And uh, we ask everybody to pray for you as you prepare to you know witness to everybody and give a talk next Saturday. I hope it all goes very well. Thanks for, for being a part of the show today. Thank you. And one more thing I'd like to say. I'd like to say to the ladies that are coming, do not be afraid and do not be about the tears because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and the Holy Spirit is very present when we do our praise and worship because we're loving our Lord, praising Him and worshiping Him, He shows up. Do not be ashamed of tears. That is healing. And uh, be prepared to be uh, to feel the presence of Jesus uh, hugging you, loving you, and inviting you to, to join, just to join into the family of love. Mm, yeah, that well well put. Thank you very much for, for sharing that as well. Uh, thanks, Mary. And uh, again, everybody is invited to, uh, the, the, the women are invited to the event uh, next Saturday morning, February 19th, St. Michael's Catholic Church in Bedford. It's the Magnificat uh, Prayer Breakfast, uh, the Grapevine, Texas chapter. Uh, Mary Trevino has been my guest, uh, the chapter coordinator for Grapevine and also Central Service Team Leadership Ministry Chair. And this has been the K- ATH 910 AM interview of the week. And thanks also to another magnificent, mag- magnificent woman, Diane, who helps with the program. So uh, thanks, Diane, for your help producing the program. And thanks, everybody, for listening. If you have suggestions for future shows and guests and topics, please email me, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. God bless you. How can you save an innocent life? Learn a very effective method of being a peaceful, prayerful presence that has helped over 10,000 mothers turn away from abortion in Dallas. If you feel called to be a prayer partner or a sidewalk counselor, then join us for a free training on Saturday, February 26, 8.30 to 11.30 a.m. at the CPLC offices in Addison. For more information and to register, visit ProLifeDallas.org or call 972-267-5433.
Are you looking for a tax preparer this year to help you with your personal or business tax filing or management? At Balance Book LLC, they can assist with business and personal tax returns, accounting services, sales tax, payroll, business formations, and more. They can be reached by calling 972-805-5095, or you can visit them at 4425 West Airport Freeway, Suite 122, Irving, Texas 75062. Balance Book LLC, a new sponsor of the GRN and members of Holy Spirit Catholic Church in Duncanville. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the KTH 9:10 a.m. Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. I'm Dave Palmer. Diane is running the board, and we have uh, an interesting topic. Uh, I, I always enjoy speaking to young people who are fired up for their faith and not only love their faith, but are working actively in ministry uh, to bring others to Christ. And, and that is going to be the story today, because we're going to be talking about uh, Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic university students and one particular team director at the University of Dallas. Her name is Rachel Zayas, and uh, she's been involved in Focus for about five years. She's got a fabulous and interesting uh, story and clearly has a, a heart for young people and leading souls to Christ. So with no further ado, Rachel Zayas, uh, thanks for joining me on the interview today, Rachel. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I went to your link for Focus, and you have quite an amazing story. Uh, congratulations, first of all. I know you're relatively newly married, and you've got a, a couple mm-hmm. of children that have been born in the last few years, and so it must be an yes, exciting sir. time uh, to be married and having children, and uh, life is good, isn't it? <laughs> It is good. It's definitely abundant life. It's very full right now, but it's very good. Yeah, great. Well, let's go back. I, I, I know we're also going to talk about an event that happened last weekend called Seek 22 that was kind of like a, a nationwide focus event. Uh, a lot of people kind of, you know, you know, virtually and in person all across the country. I want to hear about that. But a little bit about yourself. Uh, I guess to hear, to know your story, you got to go back to a pretty, a traumatic event that happened to you when you were in high schools, right? Can you take us back to what was going on in your high school years? Of course. So um, I was raised, I had a really uh, devout Catholic family, but when I was about 15 years old, um, I, like many 15-year-old girls, uh, broke up with my first boyfriend, or my first boyfriend broke up with me, and that really, um, looking back, it seems kind of funny, but it, as a 15-year-old girl, it really shook my identity. Like, I didn't understand um, why this had happened to me, because I had been, quote-unquote, following all the rules. I'd been going to church every Sunday, I got A's in religion class, I was doing all the right things, and I really did um, take it as this was something that God had done to me, right? That how could God be good if he had allowed my heart to be broken in this way? And so I really spent two years kind of trying to find happiness as far away from God as I could. So I got very heavily into the party culture at my all girls high school and um, really doing everything that I could possibly do to find my identity outside of Jesus Christ in the Catholic church. Um, And I was definitely heading down a very bad road and, Um, God is so merciful to us that sometimes he gives us very concrete expressions of the bad roads that we are on. And so when I was 17 years old, I was driving home with some friends from a party on my way to another party. And um, I just remember feeling really reckless that evening and that there was just really no point to the way that I was living my life. And um, so I was not being careful with the way that I was driving the vehicle and I lost control of the car. Um, and started to play pinball with the guardrails of a freeway. And Mm. 
I don't remember the accident. It was about 10 seconds. Um, but I do remember seeing every bad choice I'd made in the last two years. I saw every time I drank, every time I lied, every boy I kissed, all of these bad choices. And I saw that God had been blessing me infinitely. And I was just shunning and shirking all of the blessings that he'd given me. Um, the next thing I remember is the warm concrete on my hands um, as we had safely made it out of the car, which was total beyond recognition, um, and just saying, I'm sorry, Jesus, if you are real, please save me. I do not want to live this way anymore. Um, and my friends and I miraculously walked away without a scratch, even though my car, it didn't make sense to anyone why we were all okay. And the next day, I found myself in a confessional with a very merciful priest and had poured out everything that I had been doing the last two years um, and found myself in a really wonderful youth group after that with some 17-year-old kids who really discipled me and were able to teach me how to live a life for Jesus that was authentic and joyful and full. Um, and yeah, my life changed dramatically um, from that point on. Wow. Amazing. God has a way of waking us up, doesn't he? Uh, he does indeed. He does indeed. So you you went off to Baylor next, is that right? I did. So I I was so in love with Jesus, but I was from a Catholic bubble, so I really had no understanding that there were different denominations <laughs> or different hmm. um, expressions of Christianity or that there were even some fights in between different denominations. And so I just wanted a university with Jesus. And um, Baylor is definitely a school that is on fire for Christ. Yeah. And, so, and I felt, and I felt him when I got on campus. And so, um, chose to go to Baylor. And then my first week of school was told that I wasn't a Christian. And I was asked <laughs> why I was a cannibal and why I worship Mary. And I, and I was shocked. I had never heard these questions before. Yeah. And so I went running to the Catholic center, um, hoping I could find someone who could help me answer the questions and met a focus missionary who invited me into a Bible study and taught me how to evangelize and was able to take this deep love I had for Jesus and turn it into practical ways of sharing his love with my Protestant brothers and sisters. And um, hopefully that we could all walk closer to Jesus um, in the fullness of the Catholic church. Wow. So focus was really a lifeline for you under those circumstances. I can only imagine being asked those kind of questions and if you didn't have somebody that you could talk to, boy, that would have really left you in a bad place again, wouldn't it? For sure. Because, I, I mean, I really did. I was so bought into Jesus, but I wouldn't say that my commitment to the Catholic Church happened until I was a freshman in college. I liked being Catholic, but I didn't really understand that um, there was like a true church, if yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it really was the missionaries, <clears throat> and especially because Baylor is such a devoutly Protestant school that's got such an emphasis on scripture. And as focused missionaries, we are so into reading the word of God. And that was really helpful in entering into these conversations with my classmates. So you decided after Baylor to actually become a focused missionary yourself, right? Did that, did that happen immediately? Yes. Is that your first thing out of, after graduation, you're in focus or, or, or how did that all transpire? For sure. Well, I mean, I, I do think that those kind of fundamental years right after the car accident, those initial conversion years really was setting me on a course to the life that I'm living now. And so it actually was a conference that I went to my freshman year, looking back that um, that was actually where I met my husband. 
it was where I felt the call to be a focused missionary. And it was also where I really did um, kind of sink my teeth into the Catholic Church and say that this is the one true church that I will be a part of for the rest of my life. So immediately after graduating, I became a focused missionary and I've served in Arizona. Um, I served at Northern Arizona University for two years, and then I was the team director at the University of North Texas, and then now this is my second year as the team director at the University of Dallas. Yeah. I'm curious. <clears throat> yeah, I, I have a master's degree from the University of Dallas, and I, I know the campus oh, well, awesome. and how it, it must be a different dynamic because you've been, uh, you know, you, you, at Baylor, there is a student, which is a Baptist university, uh, Northern Arizona mm-hmm. University, which I'm presuming is public. And then you're, Very at a, much so. you're at a public school in UNT. And now you're at a, a, you know, a really good Catholic university. So you, you've really kind of seen the whole gamut. How does it, how does it, the work differ depending on Protestant, secular, or Catholic university? For sure. I mean, definitely the two schools I served at before the University of Dallas are about as different at, as the University of Dallas as it could be. Um, both of those schools were very secular. And so I think the University of Dallas um, really reminds me more of Baylor than any of the other schools that I have served at. Um, and the, the cool thing about the University of Dallas, as I'm sure you know, having attended the school, is the rich intellectual tradition yeah. that they are founded on really allows the students to go deeper more quickly than some of the other schools that I've served on. Because all of the students are required to read Aristotle and Aquinas and are required to take theology classes and talk about what is friendship and what is the good life, they're almost more poised to receive the formation than maybe some of the other schools. I think the difference is that um, because everyone is Catholic, there might not be um, as much of uh, an agreement that there's a need to evangelize on the campus of the University of Dallas. Right. So I would say that's the difference. And what about at the, the at NAU and UNT? Did you find uh, that there was a lot of pushback, a lot of resistance among more secular people, or you know, or, or was that not the case? Or or what was what was the the general vibe, so to speak, at the public universities? For sure. Well, NAU, which is a very fun place, is very, um, it's very relativist. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, which meant that everyone just kind of wanted to do their own things. Like it was in, you know, they're very um, granola, for lack of a better word, <laughs> that yeah. there's a lot of, um, yeah, free spirit. So people, you know, we'd walk up and say that we're Catholic missionaries, like, oh, yeah, like Jesus, like, cool dude, <laughs> you know? Like, so there was not as much pushback because everyone was just kind of like, you know, doing their own thing there. And so it was kind of getting to the place where people felt like they had to make a choice. That was the, that was the battle, right? Was, was actually getting people to understand, no, there, there's a question that we need to answer here. Um, whereas at UNT, even though it's Texas, and so in theory it's kind of the Bible Belt, I would say there was a lot more pushback, more from the culture of the school yeah. um, rather than from the students, if that makes sense. Yeah. So now at UD, uh, you are the the lead um, you know, person for focus there. How big is your team? And if you could just kind of, you know, a day in the life of a, you know, team director at, at, at UD and, and your team, what, what do you all do on a day-to-day basis? Of course. So I'm on a team of seven, which is 
particularly big for a focus team. We're normally teams of four, but I'm very blessed to have a number of married missionaries on my team. So when you add the beauty of family life, it means we get more people around. We also have three team babies. My, I have two kids, and then I have another um, some teammates with their first son. Um, and so we have a lot of very life stages, new marriages. Um, we've got some single missionaries, and it's it's really quite fun to get to um, learn each of e- each of the missionary stories and to grow in friendship and holiness with them. Um, but as far as a day in the life, the interesting thing is that every day is a little bit different, and so. Um, every day, some of the staples in our day is we go to Mass every day and we pray a holy hour um, because we know that without Jesus, we could not do the work that we do. Um, and then different days will consist of things like Bible studies. So the bread and butter of focus is small group Bible studies and small group discipleship groups. Um, so we lead Bible studies. We lead these discipleship groups, which is where we're really trying to form these disciples these students to walk as disciples of Jesus and evangelize on their campus. We also spend a lot of time in formation. So we know that the world is um, only getting more hostile to faith. And so we mm-hmm. need to make sure that we are as sharp as we can be. So we spend a lot of time in formation. And then we also try to host what we call like win events. So these would be events where we can just get to know people and just hopefully provide um an avenue of something positive to do with the Catholic Church and with focus. So it could be something like a crawfish boil that we have in one of our backyards. It could be um, getting together and having a game night on campus. We've done movie nights. We've done dances. Just anything where we can just have some positive community. Because I think, um, especially in the last two years, as the pandemic has kind of ravaged our world. Um, the individualization and the isolation of people has been really painful. So the ways that we can be investing in community, we've also seen to be um, an incredibly valuable part of our time. Uh, Rachel Zayas is my guest, uh, team director at the University of Dallas for Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. And uh, focus.org, is that the right uh, website, Rachel? Is it? Yes, sir. Okay, F-O-C-U-S dot org. And she, as she mentioned, is a a team director of a a team of seven missionaries on the campus of University of Dallas. So how how does it work being married? uh, If I have my math right, you've got two children. You and your husband have two children under about three Mm -hmm. thereabouts. Uh, are you yes, li- are you living off campus? Uh, is your husband involved? Or do you bring the kids on? Uh, how how is it like kind of that balance of being a mother and a, and a wife, and then also trying to be a full time missionary? Of course. Well, again, like I said at the beginning, it's fullness of life. So I have very little white space in my days. But <laughs> I mean, what would I want the white space for? I mean, I really am living. <laughs> right. My dream, uh, I don't get to watch Netflix as much as I want to, but, you know, I probably don't need to watch Netflix as much as I want to. Um, my husband, is, he works at an elementary school in town, so he's very passionate about forming the littles, and I'm very passionate about forming the older kids. So we've, we've got the bookends of the students. Um, and then as far as the balance goes, I mean, it really is just this integrated life. And I think as most of our college students are going to get married and have families, but maybe a lot of them haven't seen young families, it's really important that as missionaries, when we get married and start having kids, that we don't bow out, right? That being a missionary is not just for when you're single and have 
nothing but time, but is actually a call for our entire lives. Um, and so I think it's definitely a juggling act, but we um, are both very committed to this idea of being a family on mission for Jesus. Yes. And, and you know, I used to have been doing this for five years now. Uh, I think I said in the intro, what is this something that somebody like you can do for, you know, many, many years? Is there a certain time when it's like, okay, I, I got to move on to something else or what, 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 what do you see as your own future uh, with focus or, or beyond? Of course. I mean, I think, we are investing deeply in college students, right? So I think when each missionary is determining like, hey, it is getting harder for me to enter into the lives of college students, that is normally when we see our missionaries looking for a different um, a different avenue for the mission. Now, that does not mean necessarily stopping work with focus. We've got a very dedicated team of um, support in Denver that is our national office that do everything from event planning to mission trips to accountants. I mean, you name it. Um, so there's definitely more more places you can go within the organization. Um, but as far as for me, uh, I don't know what Jesus wants for me in the future. I just know that I want to preach his name until I die. And so if he tells me to stay on campus for another 10 years, that's where I'll be. And if he tells me in May that I need to find a different place, then that's where I'll go. Yeah. Amen. Well, that's a great attitude. <laughs> uh, Rachel Zayas, uh, as I mentioned, my guest, uh, team director of University of Dallas with Focus, uh, Fellowship of Catholic University Students, focus.org is, is their website. And uh, Rachel, how can our, you know, the people listening right now probably having a lot of different responses. Some may want to help you financially. Some may have, you know, either themselves or have a, a child who they think would be great as a focus missionary. What, what, uh, what, what should people do if they want to learn more or maybe get involved in any of those ways? Of course. Well, I think if you're a student or if you have a student that you love, that you would love to get more involved, I would point you to our campus website, which is focusoncampus.org. And that website has got a ton of resources, whether it's Bible studies or blog posts or small groups. Um, It also is where you can find the missionaries that are on your campus. So every campus has got a page with all of the missionaries, our cell phone numbers, our email addresses, and we love nothing more than getting to meet students. That's what we do. And so please do not hesitate to find the page where your student is located and to reach out um, because we would love to walk alongside in any way that we can. Um, and then if you are not a student and are looking for other ways to get involved, again, focus.org is a great place to start. Um, there are pages for the different missionaries that serve different places if you would like to serve or support financially. All of the missionaries, uh, 95% of our staff fundraise 100% of our salaries. So we cannot do what we do if not for the supporters um, that come alongside us and say yes to the gospel. Um, so that's another great place to go. The last thing that I'll say um, is that we we just had this really awesome conference called Speak 22, mm-hmm. um, where there were a ton of different speakers and a ton of different resources for your walk with Christ. And those resources are still available. So I would also point you to seek.focus.org if you would like 
just some more um, inspiring content on your walk with the Lord. Yeah. Can you, I, I know there was uh, last weekend, uh, this, the Seek 22, uh, who were some of the, the speakers, uh, anything that really resonated with you or, you know, reaction that you heard from young people that attended? Uh, what, what were the, the takeaways? Of course. So Seek is normally a national conference that's got anywhere from, you know, 20,000 to 25,000 attendees <clears throat> from all over the world. Um, but obviously with the state of our world, back in October, they made the difficult decision to do a hybrid conference model. So the content was streamed nationally from Denver, but we were encouraged to get together mostly in small groups and parishes on our campuses um, to really uh interact with the different material um, and the different speakers that were there. But we in Dallas and Louisiana um, decided to band together. So there were 15 campuses from Texas and Louisiana that decided to come together and host Seek in Dallas last weekend. Um, and we were also blessed to have a number of live speakers come join us. So Dr. Ted Three was there. Um, there were some really awesome spiritual directors and priests, um, Father Paul Becker, the vocations director for the Diocese of Dallas, Bishop Burns from the Diocese of Dallas. There were some really awesome people who came in person to be with us, and we had a little over a thousand people join us this past weekend. Yeah. You know, I can only, I'm long out of college, uh, but, you know, I did go on campus. I went to SMU and uh, been to University of Dallas for my master's, and I can only imagine what life is like for a college student these last couple of years with, you know, masks yeah. and, you know, social distancing and, you know, Zoom classes. And well, what, are, what are you hearing, you know, just from a life perspective and also from a spiritual standpoint or trying to bond with people or make friends or go on dates yeah. uh, you know what 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 are what are you hearing or what has been the experience the last two years uh, my heart just breaks for these students I, I actually cannot imagine going to school going to college in the climate that the last years have produced and I know not every campus has faced the same sort of pressure. The University of Dallas has done a phenomenal job keeping life just about as normal as possible for the students. Um, but I know that's not the case in some of our universities. We still have some universities that are still virtual after two years. And what I have seen and what our students are saying is um, it's the human formation that really is lacking, right? So, I mean, examples of, you know, we don't, we don't, um, like respond in conversation the same way, right? So you used to go out to coffee with someone and you make eye contact and you nod and you engage. But the last two years, all of the conversations have been over Zoom. And if you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm over Zoom, it messes with the audio of whoever's talking. So you don't. And so yeah. it's like these little social cues that are really um, missing in a lot of ways. And that's really causing problems for friendship and relationships and dates. I mean, how the heck do you find someone to go on a date with if you can't leave your apartment? So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's yeah. where I've seen the biggest uh, pressure point in the last couple of years. Right, right. Gosh, I just, I, I hope and pray that we're coming out of it finally, and there certainly seems to be Me some too. signs, and like you say, the University of Dallas has handled it as, as best as, as, as they possibly can. Uh, Rachel, th thank you for your time. Uh, it's been a delight getting to know you and also uh, letting our listeners know you as well. Uh, just in closing here, do you want to give any more uh, contact information or websites or maybe reiterate how folks can help you if, if they feel so inclined. 
Of course. Well, my personal um, page on Focus is focus.org slash missionaries slash Rachel dash Zayas, which I know is a mouthful, but um, I am the team director at the University of Dallas. And I, I think the last thing that I would love to say is that um, Jesus Christ is the Lord of the universe. He is in control of all of this, of everything that we have seen in the last couple of years. And no matter where you find yourself today, that he has a good plan for your life. Um, and so, however, we as missionaries and as focus can come alongside you and support you. We want to do that. And please know. Uh... Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 